knowledge that I know that some of you will be cold. So if you want to gather around the radiators, that's great. <laughs> I can work with the four corners. Um, we are continuing this series in the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus' words to his disciples with a, an, a listening crowd. So I love the way that Jesus works. Um, he, he's not against the crowds, but he really likes working with small groups. Um, I know a lot of preachers who like preaching to the, small, the large crowds, but don't really like working with the small groups. I think Jesus um, teaches us something about the way that the, the kingdom of God works and the way that discipleship works is that actually it's not just in the crowds, it's in the small groups. The Jesus, I want you to imagine this picture. That Jesus has got this crowd of people listening to what he's saying and he's addressing the disciples and saying, look guys, and I don't think it was just the 12. I think John mentioned this uh, the last week or a few weeks, that there's probably about you know, a, a larger group of disciples that have gathered around Jesus and Jesus is speaking to them and saying, if you want to be part of my gang... This is what it looks like. And he begins to unpack what the kingdom of God looks like in a way that is so in contrast to anything that is, that is before the people in that moment when it comes to political power or the way of life. It, is, it contrasts in such stark ways. Saying this is what it means to be a disciple. So Jesus begins to, to, to proclaim some statements, the Beatitudes have we become to now. And I'm not going to go through all of those this morning because you can listen back over uh, previous teachings on those. But we're going to be looking at uh, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. That's, the, that's where we're going to be at this morning. That's what we're going to try and unpack as, uh, as we journey for the next four or five hours together. <laughs> You think I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, no. This isn't just some hypothetical. This isn't just something that we can aspire to. I think what Jesus is saying, actually, this is the kingdom. This is what it looks like for the kingdom of heaven to be made known on earth if we live this way. It's not moralism, by the way. This is not, if I can live this way, then I will enter the kingdom. I will somehow please God. No, this is a life that is born from within that enables us to live the kind of life that Jesus has invited us to. It all starts with the inner person. It starts with our hearts. It starts with our mind. It starts with our attitudes being conformed and transformed to the image of Christ in order that we might live out the life of the kingdom. So the starting point is what Jesus does in us that is expressed through us. A pattern of life, a, pattern, a way of life, a way of living under the, 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 the reign and rule of King Jesus. Peace. We all could do with a little bit of peace, couldn't we? Yeah, thank you, Ian. Look at the, I mean, you look at the news and you look at the world events. So much division and disruption, disharmony, fighting, cajoling for position and power. It's just chaotic. Anybody ever wake up and just go, Jesus, come now. Fed up of this. There's something in our hearts that longs for peace, longs for the rule and reign of somebody who's got a handle on what's going on. Well, the promise of the kingdom and the kingdom of God is that we put our trust and our hope in the one who does have a handle on everything that's going on. Even in the midst of the seeming chaos of our world, we have one who reigns over all things and is reigning in his people, reigning in you and I right in this moment right now. So our perspective can begin to shift about the things that we are experiencing in our world in this moment. 
Because we live a life under the rule and reign of King Jesus. We are no longer citizens of this earth. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We just so happen to live in the here and the now. But we live with, we're able to live with a different reality. A reality that lives in light of, the, of, of God's rule and reign. Peace. We all long for a bit of peace. And actually in the Old Testament and right the way through the scriptures, there is a longing for peace. There's a hope of peace that one day somebody will come and establish peace. Filled with messianic hope. Filled with promise. Filled with the sense of one day somebody will come. And that one day did come in the, day, in the person of Jesus and it still remains in the person of Jesus. Not the, the suffering servant, but the resurrected king. He is ruling and reigning forevermore. Not everybody in this world will recognize it. Not everybody who you interact with in tomorrow, wherever you find yourself, will recognize that actually Jesus is king. And he's the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Not everybody will recognize that. In fact, some of you will step into environments that are quite hostile to that message. In fact, most of us. Except if you work at Elam Bible College. And even then, I'm not so sure. <laughs> or I should say EIC, where I part of the building that I work in. The reality is, for most of us, we live in a world that is hostile to God. Hostile to his rule, hostile to his reign, hostile to his ways. So how do we live in light of that? Well, let me say something that, about what peacemaking isn't, because I think that's helpful. It's not passive. It's not just letting things go and trying to keep these two parties that are in, uh, at war aside from one another because that's, that's peacekeeping. You keep, sometimes we have to do a bit of peacekeeping, don't we, Rachel? Keep the warring parties <laughs> separate. Not me and Rachel, just, just I want to <laughs> clarify that. It's not me and Rachel, the warring party. No, the girls aren't stuck in the middle. No. But sometimes you, know, you just have to go, oh, you just need a breather a moment. Just chill out. And peacekeeping has its place, doesn't it? When you can't get harmony, you need to keep warring factions apart because otherwise they'll rip each other apart and it'll be terrible. Horrific. So that's fine. But actually, that's not the goal. Peacekeeping is not the goal. It wasn't the goal of Jesus. It was peacemaking. To reconcile warring parties to be at peace with one another. Now that all started back in the, in the beginning of the story. And I think for us to understand this idea of peacemaking, it doesn't make sense outside of God's story. Outside of the big picture of Scripture. In the beginning, God made everything and it was... I mean, you, you, I, I say this probably every time I preach because I think it's helpful for us to understand why everything makes sense. So in the beginning, God made everything and it was good. Perfect harmony, perfect union. It was just... It was, it was, Eden. It was ideal, right? So paint that picture in your mind. Perfect harmony between God and, and, and one another and in create the rest of creation. Everything in perfect balance, working as it should. Sounds lovely. Genesis 3 happens and chaos. Rebellion against God, rejection of God and his ways and chaos. 
There's a breaking of relationship between humanity, in fact, all creation, and God. Rebelling and rejecting him. In fact, the whole, whole of creation yearns for that longing. Learn, yearns for the reconciliation. Yearns for everything to be made right. And the problem is that we're in the mix. And so we have this picture of broken relationship with God that affects everything. And we still live in that world, don't we? Where actually broken relationship with God affects everything. So peace... Um, peacemaking isn't simply peacekeeping. And it's not that it isn't costly, actually. Because it really costs a lot. If you think that being a peacemaker will mean that everything will be easy, I think we have the wrong idea of what peacemaking is. Because peacekeeping keeps warring factions apart. Peacemaking steps into the middle of a conflict. Steps into the, into the nitty-gritty and the dirt and it recognizes the tension and the brokenness and the war and the hatred and the, and the angst that people experience. Now, you, you, I can read this and I'm thinking like on a macro scale and I'm going, how on earth can I be a peacemaker in that setting? Now, some of you might be able to be peacemakers in that macro setting. Fantastic. And actually, we need people in those settings to be peacemakers in those moments. Some might have real influence in that. We need to pray for those who are in those moments to help bring peace. But for most of us, we don't live in that big macro world where we have make decisions that are, will affect world issues. So how on earth do we begin to reconcile this uh, a call to be a peacemaker in the, in, in the everyday moments? So what is Jesus saying? People, uh, peacemaking will actually call out matters of injustice. To be a peacemaker means to recognize that something is broken and something is wrong. To be a peacemaker is to see the brokenness of the world and step into the, 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 the conflict and say, in light of the good news of Jesus, how do we speak life and truth? How do we bring healing and reconciliation? Because outside of the gospel, I don't think we've got much hope. Outside of the good news of Jesus, outside of that which is to come, I don't think we have much good news to speak into, into those moments. But it will speak and, and identify and, and confront injustice. But it, not in a violent way. Not in a way that actually some of the zealots would have expected and thought, well, we can overthrow the Roman, Roman Empire and, and get rid of all these political rulers and, and then, then the Messiah will come and everything will be made new and everything will be perfect and they'll be isolated and we'll be at peace. That's why Jesus had such a challenge with the religious leaders because he didn't come and, uh, and operate in the way that he thought that they, should, that he, they thought that he should operate. The kind of peace that he thought, they thought that he should bring. Jesus, as he's been speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, he's calling his people to recognize their absolute need of him. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And as we go through in each of the Beatitudes, he takes us on a journey of, 
of recognizing our need for God, recognizing our need for one another, and recognizing our place in the world. So if you want to anchor it in our rhythms of up in and out, you've got them in the Beatitudes. First three, up. Second three, in. Third three, out. It's this outward focus of what it looks like for us to be God's people on his mission in the world because we've recognized first and foremost our, our need of him. So where does it start and how does it start? Well, it starts, I, it starts with our, our own reconciliation. Can't start anywhere else. So if we, want to, if we want to be peacemakers, then I think we have to have experienced peace. It's hard, isn't it? Because life is really hard. The last couple, of, last couple of years or more have been really hard. It's taken its toll on lots of people. Lots of people with lots of just challenges and angst about life. And I think for us to not recognize that is, is wrong and irresponsible. To recognize that actually life is really hard. Things happen that cause us to have um, all manner of, of anxieties and worries and concerns. And, and that's part and parcel of life. Now, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus today, not just today, I mean, you, you probably, hopefully you've been a follower of Jesus for a little while, but not just this moment. You're a follower, you would profess to be, yeah, Jesus, I am, I, I love you and I want to serve you. And John called people, uh, you know, come out, lay it all down. I'm sure there was others that were going, Jesus, it's yours. So the, we, the starting point this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, is that you've come to this place of recognition that you need him. That you have nothing to give. I have nothing to give. I can't contribute to my own salvation. I can't contribute to my own transformation because such is the brokenness of life. And yet the truth of the matter is that when we put our trust in Jesus and our hope in Jesus, he makes us new. That is a new reality. So if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, then please do. Because we're going we're to spend a bit of time there. How long have I got? You know that thing about four hours. <laughs> no. So we, we, we come to this place of recognition. So we are positionally, through faith in Christ, made new. Reconciled to God. Romans 5, 10 uh, and t uh, 12 says that what, while we were still far off, Christ died for us. He gave his life for us so that we might be reconciled to him. He is the greatest peacemaker, bringing reconciliation between a broken humanity and a loving God, that through faith in Christ, we can be reconciled to him, be made, be made right. The, th the very thing that put Jesus on the cross, our sin and our wrongdoing, our rebellion, he paid the price for in order that you and I might now be able to identify with him as new creations in Christ Jesus. Are, are you with me so far this morning? Yeah. So, the, so the, the starting point for peace is a recognition that something is wrong. Because without a recognition that something is wrong, there can be no peace. Is it Jeremiah, Jeremiah 6? Says, don't, don't cry at peace, peace where there is no peace can't say there's peace when there is really no peace 
So part of a peacemaker is to see things as they really are. And so for you and I, the starting point was always to go, recognize things as they really are. Because without recognizing where we are, we cannot progress any further. So the starting point is if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have, been, you have been made new. And he'll take us on this journey of us being made new. Constantly changing, constantly being shaped, constantly being reconciled. So the starting point is reconciliation and ongoing reconciliation until one day all things are reconciled. All things made new. So us, we, we live out of that, that reality of being made new in Jesus. So... 1 Corinthians 5, verse 16 says this, From now on then, we don't know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective. Yet, not we, uh, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in, is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, Pause on that for a moment. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. This is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, I don't have time um, to unpack that more fully this morning, but I do want to draw out five things that I think are really helpful for us as we wrestle with what it looks like for us to be a peacemaker, to live out that, the kingdom reality. So the first thing is that they have, uh, they have a new perspective. Number one, new perspective. Verse 16 says this, From now on then we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ, um, uh, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective. So Paul, Paul's got some challenges in this, the, the church in Corinth. He'd done a lot of work to try and bring some reconciliation, but there is still a group of people who are questioning him, making life difficult for him. He's saying that from this perspective now, we don't view Christ or, or his people in, a, in the way that we once did. Because it was the, the worldview and the vision of Jesus that, uh, from, by the Pharisees that put him on the cross. They didn't understand him. They viewed him from a worldly perspective. Paul's saying we no longer think that way. We no longer think that about Jesus. And we no longer think that about Christ because we have a new perspective. So the kingdom of God gives us a new lens through which to view the world and other people. How do we view one another? So Paul is, is speaking in the context of a Christian community trying to bring reconciliation. So he's saying, look, we're, we're ambassadors. Ambassadors in that moment to try and bring reconciliation between t uh, tense relationships and friendships. But I think Paul is trying to get us to see something a little bit wider also, is that actually our perspective and our way of understanding as Christians has been made new. Or indeed, it should. The more that we walk with Jesus, the more we um, allow Jesus to transform us and shape us, the more we allow the reality of his kingdom, rule and reign, to be present in our lives, actually the more we are, our hearts and our minds are aligned to his. 
not through necessarily striving or trying, simply by being abiding. Positioning ourselves with Jesus so that he does the work of transformation. Our responsibility is to position ourselves in such a way that we enable his, his, his spirit to be active in us, to shape us, and respond to his leading. Walk in step with the spirit. It's our responsibility out of his activity. And so our perspective begins to shift. Our perspective begins to change. And then he goes on to say we have a new heart. So the new perspective enables us to see things differently. We have a new heart which enables us to love differently. Been made new. Do you feel new this morning? Feelings, thinking, perception, reality. Are you operating, am I operating like a new person? Like I've got a new heart. Like I've got a new way of thinking and understanding, a new way of living. Do I operate with that reality? Do we operate with that reality out of the newness of who we are? What does it look like for us to be the kind of people that are being transformed by Jesus? I think maybe, would we be a little bit, well, no, sure, let me reframe that. Would we be increasing in kindness? By the way, it just means that actually we don't, kindness doesn't mean we agree with everybody and everything. It just means being decent to other human beings, valuing people as people, seeing the humanity of, of God uh, and, and the, the, the humanity of, of others that is reflection of his character and his nature means saying some things, but kindness just means treating people with respect and dignity and value. Would we be increasing in love? If we, if we were operating out of that new heart, would, would our capacity to love others be increasing? I think it would. And I think it is. So please don't hear this as a, like a, a condemnation message because it isn't. This is a sense of this is what the invitation is for us as God's people to live out of this reality of Jesus who is king at work in us by his spirit so that we may be called the sons of God, the children of God, identify with his family. I'm a Hesketh. I have... Hesketh characteristics. I have Hesketh DNA. I have Hesketh legs. You look at my family and you'll see there's a, there's a particular way that our legs are shaped. You can go, that's a Hesketh. <laughs> nice legs, yeah. Something about DNA that identifies us with family See, what happens when we, new, we get a new DNA, we get a new way of life that means that we identify with, a, with our Father in heaven. And our life begins to change. So we have it and we begin to live out of it. So we have a new heart. New, new purpose. So this is where I think it begins to intersect with this, this call of Jesus to be peacemakers. 
Because it says that we have been given this ministry of reconciliation. Ministry of reconciliation to, to what? Primarily what? What is that? Well, actually, I think it's this, this call for us to live out the, the reality of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, in every single space and place, so that we, our, our lives may radiate something of the transforming power of God, not just reflect something. It comes from within that begins to radiate out of us, so that our words and deeds point to something much, much bigger and much grander. And it's rooted in the story of God. It's rooted in the good news that in every circumstance, how do we, how do we begin to speak good news? to broken relationships, to abusive bosses, to demanding teachers. How do we begin to speak good news and live good news in those contexts? Because I think that's what it means to be a peacemaker. Not to let things passively go, but to live out the reality of the kingdom. Why? Because I think we get to participate with the Spirit in the renewal of all things. One day, Jesus is going to come. He will return and he'll make all things new. That's the promise. And I, I, I've probably said this every time I've preached recently because I believe it. One day, Jesus will return. We don't know when. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But the promise is that one day, he will return and he will make all things new. I don't know when. I don't know what it will look like. I don't know whether we'll go through the tribulation or post-trib or any of those other tribulations and whatever it might be. All I know is that when Jesus says that he will return, he will fulfill his promise. So therefore, while we await his return, we don't do it passively, but we do it actively to engage the, the mission of God to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so we get to new purpose. So that means it doesn't mean to wait to be a missionary to be sent overseas to go and do it somewhere else. It actually just means to live out this life of mission and, 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 and the kingdom life wherever we're sent. And do you know what? It will rub. It will bring you into positions of conflict. Now I need to clarify that. Because some people can... So what I'm not saying this morning is go into your workplaces and pick a fight. <laughs> don't do it. Just don't do it. It'll not go well for you. I guarantee you, and I don't want anything coming back to me. All right? It'll not go well for you. But if we are committed to living the way of Jesus... Then actually Jesus, I think it's Luke 12, 51, says, I haven't come to make, give, give, you, give peace. And you go, well, Jesus, just to be a peacemaker. You want to reconcile. But what is, and now you're saying, Jesus, you've not come to make peace. Well, what is that? Well, actually, the way of the kingdom, our, our, our service to King Jesus, our life in King Jesus will bring us into, into positions of conflict with those who don't understand and don't see it. But it doesn't mean to say we go looking it out. But where the invitation to step in, where the invitation to speak, where the invitation uh, to, uh, and uh, the, the provocation of the life that's lived before Jesus begins to provoke a response, think about it, not can have, how can I point out the wrong in their life, although that might come. Think about it, how can I speak the gospel, the good news of Jesus, 
Not the bad news of Jesus for the good news of Jesus. That he loves, he loves them. That he gave his life for them. I'm getting a bit Pentecostal. That he sacrificed for them. That he laid his life down so that they might know peace with God. How do you proclaim and preach and be good news? I can't tell you how to do that because I don't know your context. I don't know the people that you're, you're going to face tomorrow morning, but you do. And the promise is that you don't go into that environment alone. But the promise is that the Spirit of God, He is with you. Matthew 28, the promise of the Great Commission, I am with you always. So when you step into those moments and you, you just want to live the life that Christ has called you to live and it provokes a response, be a pr- let's, be, let's be a praying people. Let's be a responsive people to the leading of the Spirit that enables us to be, be good news before we tell good news and before we maybe have to tell some of the bad news. But it always leads to good news. Always. Because if we don't proclaim Christ and the resurrection and that which is to come, We leave people with really no hope. So we have a new purpose as peacemakers. You might never get the grand scale jobs of of going to speak to nations. But actually in every single circumstance this week, there may be opportunities for you to be a peacemaker. This... um, When Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God, children of God. When we live this way, it's a, it's a clear, clear message. It's a clear indication of our identity and our belonging. And it will be in stark contrast to the people um, around us who maybe don't identify as children of God. What great... Great way to be known in the world in which we live as peacemakers, as sons and daughters of God, ambassadors and representatives of a different way. I wonder whether this is actually just about telling a better story. Us being a people who are confident in the story that we've been invited into, to participate in, not as a fairy tale, but a living reality. As a people who, are, who know what it is to be blessed. To have everything available and accessible for us to live a life of godliness here on earth as, as Jesus has pre- pre- prepared us. To paint a different story. To live a different story. And to be a different way. I don't know where you're at this morning, now this afternoon. I don't know where, what... Um, what kind of frame of reference you came in with. I don't know whether you've, you've felt at peace with God. And said earlier that life is challenging. So before we go out into a world that is hostile to the message of Jesus, hostile to his rule and his reign, where's your heart at? Where's my heart at? Do I need to know some reconciliation with God this morning? I need to know some peace with God this morning as the peacemaker. Do I, need, do, I, do I, do you need him to calm some of those fears, some of those worries, some of those anxieties, 
to bring reconciliation with the one who holds all things together. The scariest thing, and I've had some conversations about this recently with various folks, is that we, we actually can't control much. There's very little that we get to control. If we can control our responses, I think, I think some of that we have responsibility for. But there's very little we get to control. So our response this morning is simply, I, I think, one of trust. But we can't do anything for ourselves. Without me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. I'm going to take him at his word. Because I've tried, haven't you? I've tried doing it on my own. I've tried some of those moments of, like, oh yeah, as Adam was saying. But coming down to this point, actually, I can't fix myself. You can't fix yourself. And I'm not saying, in this moment, the Holy Spirit might set you absolutely free from some of the stuff that you've been wrestling with for years. I, I, don't, I believe that. I believe you can do that. But I also know that there's an ongoing journey and process of trust. A decision to each day say, Jesus, I'm trusting this, you with this when I can't see where this might go. Where I don't understand what's going on in the moment, Jesus, I'm going to choose to trust you as the Prince of Peace, the one who holds it all together, the great peacemaker. So let's pause. Then I'm going to pray. And then I think we're going to be done. Pause. Where's your heart at? Where's your mind at? Where's your life at? What's your response? What's your opportunities? What's the invitation of the Spirit this morning? earlier I said that we can't, um, we can't move forward if we don't recognize where we're at. And I think, it's, I think that's true. Um, I think that's true for, for us before God. But I, I wonder whether there's an invitation for some of you who've carried some stuff alone. Actually, and it's, it's only served, you keep bringing it back to God, but it's only served to provoke more anxiety because you've, you've, you've just been carrying it alone with God. And and there's no better place to go than to him.
but actually set us in the context of community. But there's so many references in the scriptures about sharing the burden one with another. Because it's family. And, um, and for family to be healthy, you can't brush stuff under the carpet. You can't simply seek to keep peace. But we have to make peace. And I, I don't know, I, I, I just leave it there in that sense that if there's some stuff that needs to be dealt with, deal with it. And deal with it with others. So if it's with other people, seek some wisdom as to how to do that. Um, so I can say if it is with others, you need to come and speak to one of us, the uh, one of the elders, John, Pastor John, or myself, Alan, or Phil, and we will, I say happily, we will happily walk with you through some of that. Because actually, unless some stuff is dealt with, there can be no growth. So there's that. And then the other thing is this, that in reference to the stuff that you're carrying alone, if you, maybe this morning the action that you, that will be most beneficial for you is to find somebody who you can speak to and share the, the stuff that you've been, you've been carrying and allow them to be a peacemaker, to speak gospel truth and hope and life where you can't see it yourself at this moment scary stuff but I think that's the way of the kingdom I think it's how we demonstrate that we're a different kind of people when we help one another serve one another and provoke one another to become all that God has called us to be so Jesus I thank you for your presence uh, with us this morning Thank you for your grace and your tenderness and your kindness. Thank you, Jesus, that you, you didn't brush over the things in my life. And you don't brush over the things in my life or in any of my brothers and sisters who are gathered here this morning. You love us too much. And so, Lord, I ask that you'd help us to be, um, be brave to be grace-filled, to be committed to that which you've called us to participate in because we come from a place of being reconciled with you, lives and our hearts being transformed so that we live out of the kingdom reality that is available to us in you as we seek to walk in step with your spirit. And for any here this morning, Jesus, who are who are restless, who are anxious, who are carrying a burden that has is, is, is been weighing them down. Jesus, I pray for your peace 
to reign. When it seems like all chaos around, may your peace reign. You are the Prince of Peace. So let the peace of God reign in your heart and mind. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.